0: i just spent the last hour talking to samrat reddy from drunken monkey when i first heard a drunken monkey i thought it was a pub or a beer but i was pleasantly surprised to know that he has over 100 100- smoothie outlets across South India, which is amazing. We spoke about how COVID made him stronger. We also spoke about how he has over 200 flavors, which is incredible, right? Uh, We also touched upon how he has used, you know, technology like programmable blenders to ensure a superior product. We also discussed Hyderabad versus Mumbai versus Bangalore versus Delhi markets and how they're different. And his dream is to be the Starbucks of India, where instead of coffee, you're having smoothies. And I think that's an incredible dream. And I would support him as much as we can. The insights we got were incredible. Go watch the episode, make some notes and make some changes. See you on the inside. Drunken monkey is such an interesting name. And when I first heard it, I thought it's either a pub. Or it's some kind of alcohol. But I was so happy to hear that it is healthy smoothies or smoothies. They may be healthy or may not be. What inspired you to name it Drunken Monkey?
1: Okay. So, firstly, uh, I'm not a believer of saying something is healthy, something is not healthy. Or even uh, marketing something as healthy. Because uh, firstly, you need to understand the customers wise enough. To know what's healthy and not healthy. So smoothies is something which I love personally. And uh, I felt uh, there's a huge gap in the market when it comes to it being uh, sold as a beverage. And uh, smoothies are very good for you. Not in terms of health, but in a lot of other ways as well. So monkeys, for example, uh, if you have you ever seen a sad monkey? No. It's always like jumping around. It's always jolly. Nothing serious about it, but it's always having fun. And uh, we humans are supposed to be advanced form of monkeys. I beg to differ. So what we do is we behave like monkeys, happy and stuff when we drink. So that's where the name drunken monkey comes from. It's um, asking us to go back to our roots, do what's right for you and be happy.
0: Love it. I love stories of how brands are named and the... the emotion behind it and the... See, there's obvious, there's logic and there's emotion, right? The emotion parts are a lot more interesting. You have over 200 smoothies. That is just incredible. How does your R&D process work?
1: So, um, R&D started just with me first. That's before we started the company. It's around in 2015 that uh, started uh, researching extensively on smoothies. Before that, actually, in my MBA, I've done my thesis on smoothies. So (laughs) 2006, 2007, when I did my MBA in Scotland, because I wanted to start a smoothie uh, uh, chain in India, I didn't happen to do it once I'm back. It took me eight, nine years to actually do it. But then when I actually got into uh, working on the smoothies, I realized that everything I got of uh, the material I could get from the internet and stuff is all based on uh, the West The fruits are different. How things grow there are different. Everything is there different. So any kind of, even now, if you go online and uh, look for a smoothie recipe, it's got berries. It's got, uh, it's completely different from what uh, the Indian uh, market needs. And I felt a lot of smoothie companies from abroad, which tried to come to India and work as well, found it hard to really get smoothies, which are Indian. Mm. So started completely fresh took all the fruits in the market and started experimenting on what blends do you get and uh, what happens when you mix two, two, uh, two kinds of fruits, what is the uh, sweetness variation you need, what is the thickness variation you need, what can mix, what cannot mix. And it was an endless process. Actually, uh, I had uh, done over 3,000 trials in about eight months' time, nice. me and my team. And uh, I felt it was... Um, uh, I was not happy to bring it to 20 smoothies. Uh, my question was, if coffee can give you 15 coffee drinks, one bean, they've got like 40 fruits, there needs to be more variety. And I knew that comes at a cost of marketing, it comes at a cost of confusing the customer. But I'm here for the long run, I'm willing to wait.
0: Your background is very interesting, even though you, Drunken Monkey is one of your original ideas, but even though you didn't pursue it, then you've done a bunch of other things. Give me a little glimpse into that journey.
1: So, um, the thing I love the most is sports. So, um, I used to play cricket and basketball in school. I used to be my basketball captain. Cricket I used to manage. Um, Later, when I went to college, still my love for sports continued. I somehow managed to get through school and college, get decent marks, uh i mean decent grades uh after that the moment i got into my first job and uh, i was working in australia for a software firm there's something totally off about it i just felt something was completely missing and then i realized why i love sport because of the risk involved there is no guarantee that you're going to put in that work and you're going to win you anything can happen you get back and do the same thing, irrespective of whether you win or lose. You get back to the drawing board mm. and repeat the same thing. And that's the kick I actually liked in sport. That's when I understood when I did my first job. And then I went searching, what What do I do? That's when I realized business is something which I need to do. I'm not here for making big money. or I just feel that I, I like the trend.
0: And you also started a couple of ventures. Yes. Do you want to so give a little insight into my what first... those
1: were? Venture was a 3D animation firm. It's called Heshia Studios. Me and uh, uh, three of my friends, we started it uh, in uh, Chennai. That was fresh out of college. Uh, it ran successfully about uh, three to four years. Then I realized um, that uh, if I need to get bigger into it, I need to um, invest my whole life into it because it's tech. And uh, without getting too deep into it, you're not going to make it really big. So That's when I had to make a decision. Uh, whether I want to continue with this or is there something more to explore? I just had a deep feeling that, you know, there's more in business. I need to look at more. And then I did a bunch of things. I have no clue why I chose those things. Whatever came my way, I just jumped right into it. It's including uh, steel business uh, and leather manufacturing and uh, some oil wells in Tulsa,
0: Uh, which is so out of the two three things you mentioned to me earlier the oil wells was so interesting can you just double click and give me some insight into what did you do with oil wells and why did you pull out
1: see um, at in around 2012 13 we were looking into uh, uh, me and a friend of mine again we were researching into windmills actually and uh, we had some projects which we wanted to do, go ahead and invest in, and we were uh, talking to a lot of people in the government also in India uh, back in uh, Hyderabad. And then we came across another guy who has invested in Tulsa, and we found that a little interesting too. And uh, somehow it just happened. We flew down there and we just invested in. But unluckily, what happened that year is when the oil prices fell and. So all these things, what happened was, I think uh, it made me realize that uh, uh, like between my first venture and Drunken Monkey, Mm. I've done all ventures which has potential to become really big. Mm. They're all high budget ones and uh, high value ones from the start. So uh, at the end of those four or five ventures, I realized that I'm just doing it because people think that's big or it starts off with a high. Mm. Mm. It's not really because I... Feel for it completely. That's when I realized that, let me just shut down everything. And I took a break. The first time I took a break uh, from anything in life for about six months. Nice. uh, I said, uh, let me not do anything and see what I feel. And uh, 2014, 15 is when that was. I went to Australia for a bit. That's where, uh, I mean, that's a country I love. I don't know why. So I went there for a bit. And then when I came back, I was very clear that uh, irrespective of whether I succeed or fail. I don't even know whether a market exists for smoothies in India, but uh, let me try this and call it Drunken Monkey. Whatever happens, let me go with it till the end.
0: So is Drunken Monkey where uh, some something you started alone, or do you have any co-founders, or is it just you and your team?
1: I started alone first, hmm. and then um, uh, I have a team, which uh, we play cricket in um, uh, Hyderabad, <laughs> so... After the first three months uh, of me doing the R&D and having a few people to work on me, I just felt a little lonely. And I asked one of my teammates, dude, do you want to join in?" I liked him and he likes me. So he's our operation director now. Love it. And then after a year, another teammate of mine joined. He's our <laughs> finance director. Uh,
0: I love it. Cricket <laughs> team is becoming your... <laughs> yeah. <it's> like,
1: <laughs> when you, pay, you see people play sport, there's nowhere to hide. You True. know them inside out. So, True. I'd rather take someone who both of us trust each other to the go rather than someone, someone who's else. absolutely brilliant. I,
0: I think that's a business hack that I have not used till now is <laughs> recruit people who play a sport with you so you know they win and out. Right? <laughs> that's going to be a very interesting uh, interview style. If I Like, hey, let's go play a sport and let's see how we do. And uh, so, when you started, you would have you know, had a certain vision of Drunken Monkey five years down and now you've crossed the five year mark. What was that vision? And do you think you succeeded?
1: I think I failed. Uh, My vision was uh, in about seven years, not five years. Seven years, uh, I wanted to uh, challenge Starbucks. Um, And I don't have no shame to say that because uh, for the first three to four years, I was right on track. And uh, we were doing... Uh, the kind of sales and the kind of things which we had planned for the first uh, three to four years. Um, but for me, it was not about sales or it was not about the number of outlets. It's more about the lifestyle. It's about people wanting to have smoothies and wanting to do it mm. as something which they like, mm. not because it's healthy or not because they need it. Mm. The moment they do, you do something because you like it, then it becomes a continuous process there shouldn't be any specific reason. So that's what I aim for. And that's what uh, uh, I was able to achieve initially. But then uh, saying that uh, once the pandemic hit, I had to take a back step uh, because of the conditions around, there was not much you could do in the market. And uh, we restarted the whole uh, the whole journey about six months to a year ago. And I would say I would still have the dream and it would take another four years for me.
0: Pandemic? was for some businesses a damper on their dreams and for some businesses it was uh, accelerant right and uh, depends i mean there was no way you could have predicted something this way i don't think there's any single business plan anyone has created in the last five decades that accounted for a pandemic because the last one we saw was so, so 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 long ago and in our in our lifetime we've never seen a pandemic so that's not really something we're for, right so even when we were hit the with the pandemic for the first 2 3 months it was absolutely horrible like we had actually shut down like completely shut down right uh, i i remember getting a call saying that hey uh, you guys are essential services so you all first you all can open up mm-hmm. And then the next call after a couple of weeks, and I still said, no, no, we're not open. After the next couple of weeks, the call was, you have to open up because you are essential services. I was like, okay, we'll open up. Right. Uh, But pandemic taught us so many different lessons about uh, remote work, about uh, monitoring quality, about how can you scale? Like, I remember taking a very controversial decision in in the pandemic. We operated two labs that time. We had Bombay and Bangalore, and uh, quite sizable labs. And I want, just before the pandemic hit, we were thinking of going to one more city. Just one more, Hyderabad. And the pandemic hit, then that plan obviously went for a toss. But then six months in, when I realized, like, hey, this is not going away anywhere right away. But obviously, within a year, year and a half, things will have to go back to the old normal. Right? Not the new normal, which was there. So I decided instead of one, let's do two. And I took the decision to one of my mentors. And uh, he actually said, why not four? So what was originally one, which I thought I did a bold by making two, he was able to uh, you know uh, show me that hey if you do four, here are the advantages that you may have, and we decided to go ahead with four. Yeah. So literally in the pandemic we grew three hundred times in, in terms okay. of number of facilities, and the another interesting part that happened is a lot of new food businesses were born. born. In the pandemic, because so many people were working from home. Unfortunately, some people lost their jobs,
1: jobs and they needed so something. Yeah.
0: They needed something and food was such an obvious thing. And that time people were not going out anywhere. So the where, where did you spend most of your money? Food, trying out new things, different kinds of things. And one lucky thing for all of us was our food supply lines were open. Yes, yes. If for any reason, those would have been closed. There would have been riots on the streets. Tot- it would have been absolute, tot- you know, uh, pandemonium if food supply lines were stopped, right? So I think luckily that was continuing and new businesses got formed. Many of them even exist today. Uh, so that gave us a huge boost. We almost doubled up in the pandemic. It's awesome. it's awesome. Because we also kind of bet on the fact that, hey, you know, it's not just Bombay Bank that are the other markets At the other markets which are present. Uh, we were doing collections from everywhere, but sometimes people just want to test from a lab that is closer rather than sending a sample know, somewhere. Right. right? else. Yeah. So uh, even though we had logistics and everything covered, that, that, that nearby, you know... Uh, availability actually helped us scale really quickly. But it was such a controversial decision because that time other people are shutting down. They were letting you people had- go and, you know, they're like four labs that become two and, and we were just going 3x. And we did one more interesting thing. We decided to go 5x on our sales team, Whoa. which was another very controversial decision that we took. not say controversial at all. I would say that it's a bold decision. <laughs> it was, no. So uh, I, I remember one of our, uh, somebody from our ecosystem, a well-wisher or maybe I don't know, well-wisher or not, but so to say competitor, remember, I hey, remember calling you up and says, Hey, I see that you're hiring reference you opened all this. What happens if, you know, this goes wrong? And I was like, what happens if it goes right? <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't go it's right, luckily. Pick, yeah, and yeah. no, but w- what we did is that uh, downtime that we got, right? That, that slowdown that we got, we used it to strengthen our tech We used it to strengthen our processes. Everything internal. Internal. uh, You know, we came out of the pandemic 10 times stronger than we, you know, were going in. And so literally for me, the pandemic was a blessing. Right? It may not be be, true for everybody. No, it is true for me actually.
1: um, uh, Ways that numbers can't define. Because uh, if you ask me to choose what would I rather be? I mean, would I be in this position I am right now? Or would I be in the position I was just before the pandemic, I would choose right now any day, hands down. Because uh, what we are right now and what we know right now and what we've learned mm. in this four years is more valuable than anything numbers can put into account. True. And this is good for a lifetime. I'm like 10 times more confident of uh, everything we want to do right now. Though the numbers supported it more that
0: So, you're growing Drunken Monkey by leaps and bounds. Today you have 100 plus yeah. stores? Yeah when you started your first store, did you ever imagine that, hey, within a, such a short period of time, we will be able to get to 100? Uh, was that a part of the dream? or? It was a part of the dream. Okay.
1: But the first store itself was like 100 outlets for me. Okay. <laughs> because, uh, uh, so, see, I'm a kind of a guy um, who likes to get involved in every single thing initially because uh, uh, for me, anything I do in a business, I need to know what's happening. Uh, after that, I delegate. So, Probably even including painting the walls. Nice. I get involved. And uh, once I do one store, then I know. Then I know what goes wrong in any any other store kind of thing. So the first store was beautiful. I mean, beautiful in the sense it was a nice experience for me. Because I've never done anything in food before. And it was like a new new baby. And uh, then immediately after the first store, I was very surprised that... uh, the first two, two months we did really good sales and I didn't expect that actually uh, because it's a new, new thing which we're selling. And uh, So what I used to do is I used to uh, sit in my car outside on the other side of the road and I'll notice the store for like four hours or five hours every day, evening. I'll see what the people will be walking. They'll look at the board. They'll think, drunken monkey. And then they'll walk. Maybe the fifth time they come, they go in. So my experience of the first store, they gave me a lot. The moment that sale was good in the first two months, uh, immediately I put up five five outlets in the next uh, four months in uh, Hyderabad. So this uh, was to prepare the franchising model or to prepare a model for uh, which I can uh, scale up and uh, try to build up systems. uh, Over the next uh, nine months, I had built up systems to uh, make it work. Mm. The moment that was done, I immediately expanded in uh, Bangalore and Chennai. Actually, Hyderabad was not my biggest market. Bangalore and Chennai. But I didn't want to start in Bangalore or Chennai because over there, if you do something good, people will copy you fast. So I wanted to do it in Hyderabad. No one copies you.
0: And then move it to... That's an interesting yeah. That's an interesting thought. So uh, yesterday we had a Food Founders Club meeting, as I was telling you, and there are 40 Food Founders. So somebody told me, uh, they said, I don't know, Ashwin, how many salespeople do you have in Mumbai? said, about 25. I said, he's like, how I many in Hyderabad? I said, about 6, 7. He's like, make Hyderabad 20, 30 or 40. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Hyderabad market is growing so quickly. He's like, it's going to overshadow Mumbai very soon, if not already. Like, the number of new things, new restaurants, new you know concepts coming up is so high that it's the, the speed at which it's growing, it's actually faster than Mumbai is what. The, you know, that guy told me, which was very interesting insight. And luckily my sales head was right there. I told him like, Hey, why don't we take this insight and see, you know, whether we should, because right now we're focusing on spreading across India. Right, right. right. So while we're doing that, we can, we should not ignore major metros. Right. So we have actually not decided to double up on a Hyderabad team. So it's, not, it's going to go from like seven eight people to about 14, 15 people. Uh, what is the major difference you see between a Hyderabad and a Bangalore or Mumbai?
1: See, um, For example, I have my parents based in Hyderabad and I did my schooling in Chennai. I find a huge difference between uh, the cultures itself in Chennai and uh, uh, Hyderabad. I can relate it to more. Chennai has been a very old city. Mm. It's a city where generations of people have done businesses uh, from hundreds of years. And there is a set pattern. And uh, people work hard there. They don't expect too much and things happen in a very uh, linear fashion, which is very similar to Mumbai, mm. where you know certain things you need to do to get certain certain places. But uh, Hyderabad is something which really boomed because of IT around uh, 1990, late 1990s is when it started. That's when the land prices started increasing. People started making money suddenly. When these kind of things happen, mm. Delhi, mm. so you can relate it more to mm. a Delhi kind of mm culture. Mm. So uh, Bangalore is somewhere in between both Delhi and Mumbai. So every city is different in that case and uh, Hyderabad I would relate it a little bit more towards Delhi than and Mumbai to Chennai.
0: Nice. Uh, Drunken Monkey's vision is it to be more in metros or are you seeing going to tier 2, tier 3 as well?
1: Um, Tier 2, tier 3 as well. But in Metro, see, um, we want to be everywhere. We want to be someone like what a coffee day was to coffee until very recently where you are there everywhere you are seen and with the kind of brand image of Starbucks for smoothies where.
0: So presence of coffee day, but with brand image of Starbucks.
1: Too much to ask for, right? <laughs>
0: no, not, not as much, but, uh, it's a, it's a good, it's a good start. Right. Uh your whole vision was to bring the experience back. So again, we all know that Starbucks is not known for its coffee. It's known for Very its ambience. It's known for, you know, meeting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may have good food, may have good coffee, but that's almost incidental. Even the quality was 5% bad, people will still go still. there, right? So what what are you doing differently at Drunken Monkey to create that experience?
1: See, we, I don't think we do anything differently. Hmm. Uh, we would still offer you the same space, similar kind of cushions, similar kind of uh, furniture, but Mm. it's just that uh, the vibe, we wanted to be more a smoothie vibe. The vibe we wanted... See, coffee is a little bit more on the serious kind of things. Here, it's a monkey vibe. It's about freedom. It's about being what you want, however you want. You come in shorts and you want to wear chapel and come and still look cool. You have a drunken monkey bottle in your hand and you will look cool. So... It's it's about uh, our tagline is called naturally high. Okay. So we believe in being naturally high. I, I'm I'm not a teetotaler. I also have alcohol, but I believe in being high all the time, whether irrespective of whether you have alcohol or mm. not. And I want this the space to be something like that mm. and promote those kind of things. And uh, the smoothies also will talk the same language. The there is some food we have uh, introduced very recently, and uh, that will also talk the same language and everything is uh, super indian but super cool
0: when you when it comes to sourcing your products right uh, since you source on natural products how how does that change as your geography expands is it are you going to source everything from hyderabad and then have it shipped across or are you going to source locally what what is your strategy on sourcing
1: 90% of the sourcing happens locally mm. only 10% uh, happens centrally the 10% are the non perishables Everything which is perishable, we source it locally and there are maybe even slight menu changes here and there. Because see, uh, at the end of the day, if I have an outlet in Assam, you're not going to get the same stuff over there as I get in a Bangalore or a Mumbai. So there are slight changes, very slight minor changes. Because see, at the end of the day, uh, we call ourselves a natural smoothie place and nature keeps changing. I can't promise the customer saying that I'll give you something constant. If I'm doing that, that means I'm cheating. And it's our uh, responsibility also to educate the customer that if it's natural, the taste is gonna vary every time. The same, I can't get you the same mango every single time you drink. And if I'm gonna add sugar, it's gonna taste the same. So uh, what we've done is uh, we've have these blends where you mix multiple fruits and these fruits are chosen very, uh, very uh, after a lot of analysis and uh, a lot of effort going into the analysis where, for example, if the season is apple and next season uh, later after four or five months is watermelon, during the apple season, the watermelon might not be sweet. During the watermelon season, the apple might not be sweet. But if you have a fusion of mixing both.
0: Still get a similar outlook. Still get a similar
1: taste. Nice. So there are a lot of things we do like that, uh, using a lot of dry fruits mm. uh, like figs, dates, uh, raisins. Mm. Even these kind of things can naturally give you a similar kind of taste without compromising too much on anything else. So that's that's the work we put in, and mm. that's the that's what is. See, no matter what happened in the pandemic or no matter what happens with our every individual outfit, mm. for us, our uh, the product, product, the amount of work we put in in the beginning, that will take us ages because I think this product has been, the, it's not something I invented. Fruits have been since man, man was yeah. born and juices or smoothies have been there for centuries. I just am packaging it in a better way and bringing it to people mm. and putting it in the right format. So this is a market which is going to stay forever it's how well we use it is going to matter how well we do
0: there is a new culture of boba tea i don't know if it's a fad or if it's going to be there to stay that's come up right now boba tea suddenly i'm seeing yes, 10 yes. you know 10 new outlets in boba tea coming up almost every 2 months that 10 new things popping up what are your thoughts on boba tea
1: it's an interesting uh, beverage had it a couple of times in indonesia and stuff uh, so um see before this about four years ago milkshakes were the thing right and uh five years before that ice creams were the thing so um these products which are coming which are which have a lot of sweetness i feel their lifespan doesn't last for more than four to five years and uh, during that time if you are really going to uh, invest into it and you can Make big, and you can make some money. But generally, the lifespan of these products it it wears off. It's like uh, it's like fashion. Like you have something in fashion, it's the coolest thing, and then it changes because it's not something which uh, uh, like the moment you add things very unnatural to any product, it gets the body gets used to it after some time and it rejects it later. So people will take this much of time, they'll enjoy it. After that enjoyment will go.
0: So. The I had kind of predicted the whole boba tea thing about a year and a half ago when it wasn't such a big thing. And I'll tell you why. I was at one of the food exhibitions and there was this company that was bringing in machines, was selling those popping bubbles, tapioca, and they're like, oh, we have all this ready. And you know, you take this, you create your own brand overnight. We give you everything. Like We are your single one-point supplier. So whenever, if you ever want to know if there's a gold rush, one of the indicators are how many shovels are being sold, that yeah. kind of a thing, right? So whenever there's a gold rush, go for making shovels because that's that's yeah. the person who actually makes money. Yes, yes. As a go- you know, as a person searching for gold, you may not, but the guy yes. selling you shovels will will know. So we'll I, know. I I don't know if uh, places are making money or I've not you know, gone into the economics yeah. of it. But the person selling all he's, the equipment, he's definitely he back. He's, he's, gone. Gone. Gone, he's gone. 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 You know. Uh, so the point is, a lot of these fads will come and go. Do you think that smoothies is a fad?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so, because for it to be a fad, first it had to become big, right? It's I don't think it's become big yet, uh, at least in India. Mm-hmm. It's probably uh, maybe in the West a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, maybe in the US a little bit. Uh, but I think it's something which will stay. It's going to have very linear growth. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will coincide with uh, how the world is going as well. See, if you see uh, compared to uh, seven to eight years ago, a lot of people right now are talking about mental health a lot of people right now are talking about a lot of different things which they never used to speak about before parents about 10 years ago used to tell children you need to study you need to do this now parents are telling them you need to be happy you need to figure out how to uh, put your head in the right space so the world is changing and so will the products follow i think our company is ahead of its time so Uh, if we manage to stay there and if we manage to keep our head straight and do the right things, we will cater to the market and it will be something which will match to what the people require. And it will be cool too. It will not talk about health, but it will be what they will tend to eventually.
0: So there are a couple of new ventures which uh, I saw recently, which are promoting like smoothies at home, but it's a powder that you put and you add water, milk and... You just blend it and it res- resembles like a proper blown smoothie. I've not tried it yet. Very interesting. because the ad has been like following me around for now three months. So maybe because of the ad pressure, I may end up trying it. What, have, you, have you tried it? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I've tried a lot of other things, like a lot of things with smoothies. course, so. awesome.
0: That's her that's backyard. Yeah. So I'm
1: very sure you have. So I've tried that. I've tried uh, like uh, dry freezing the fruits, and everything. It's just that if you pluck a mango and eat it off the tree... Versus you take a mango from the supermarket, versus you cut it, keep it in the fridge for five days and eat it. There's a lot of difference. So um apart from the nutrients and everything, there's something called liveliness mm. of a product, liveliness of food. And the more live it is, mm. the better it is. So see, for example, raw dust, raw pressly also sells kind of smoothies, but it's it's a different kind of correct. but for me, um uh, what do you do fresh, it's like you having home food you having home food versus you having processed food, right? No matter how much you say that it's 100% natural, it's got the same nutrients. Yes, technically, in terms of uh, the formula, in terms of what your body gets, yes. But how alive you feel, it's different. And food is not just about the technical part of health. It's a lot more about...
0: It's a lot more. So... What other health trends are you seeing in your space? Like, are people coming and asking you for sugar-free smoothies... Are they asking you for protein, you know, infused smoothies or anything of that nature? Are you seeing any other micro trend within the smoothie space?
1: We have everything. Hmm. We have protein smoothies. We have uh, all 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 smoothies are sugar-free. Uh, there's no sugar added. And we have like detox smoothies. We have uh, hangover smoothies. Nice. Where, uh, <laughs> That's a good one. You, you, you drink, drink all night and you have a couple of smoothies. You'll feel better. I'm not saying you'll feel fine. You'll feel better and like you have hydrators for a hot day. So like different kinds of uh, options. The options are there and uh, see, even these trends, they're very seasonal. Like I've seen people come in probably December and have certain kinds of smoothies. I've seen people come like in January and have completely different kinds of smoothies. Mondays, Tuesdays, you have detox. Fridays, you indulge a little bit more. So it all depends on the time. And and every person I feel, uh, like uh, there's one thing I realized uh, in me understanding the customers who come to Drunken Monkey, every customer cannot be just segmented into one person. Mm-hmm. Every person has multiple personalities. And we are a product which can cater to him at any time, uh, any point of the day and based on his mood. So it's a very, uh, I would say, see, uh, marketing has to be very simple and straightforward. For us right now, it's not that simple and straightforward because we have so much on our plate. And that's a challenge we are willing to live with. Mm. And we don't want to strip ourselves from what all benefits a smoothie can give and just say, okay, we're going to give you just this, these, 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 these things. Because I still strongly believe that there is a need Mm. for all this and it will eventually come through.
0: You mentioned when we were talking in the green room about automation that you're using in you uh, know your business, which I was quite surprised when you said, oh, we have a programmable blender. I'm like, one sec, aren't blenders like press a button and you just go like, mm, and, it, and it's done. Uh, give me a little more insight into programmable blenders. I mean, that's pretty interesting.
1: So, um, see, my first blenders uh, were from China and uh, just to experiment a lot and stuff. So we figured out that uh, the blenders, each time they blend, Certain fruits blend in a certain way. Different fruits blend in a certain way. But the ideal blend for a smoothie, it has to be thick enough, yet smooth enough. It shouldn't be too watery. It shouldn't be too flaky. So these kind of things, for example, it was difficult to get Mm. uh, if I'm adding multiple fruits Mm. of multiple compositions. Like, for example, dates and figs are pretty thick Mm. compared to a pineapple or a a watermelon. And then apple and uh, dragon fruit, these things come in between. So um, we managed to uh, get to a company in Germany, which provides us these blenders. And uh, what you can do in this blender is uh, you can actually program it. So there is, uh, for example, we have 50 RPM, 2000 RPM, uh, the blade rotates and you can time it. So that for the first 20 seconds, what happens, It, it rotates at this speed. And then from 20 seconds to 40 seconds, it accelerates. So you can time the acceleration as well so that when you accelerate, what happens is, so whatever the smoothie uh, uh, contents are, Mm. they slowly start going up. So the heavier particles come down and then they get cut. The lighter particles are up. And then when the acceleration is done, it suddenly stops. And then everything comes down, again mixes it. So this is the kind of customization you can do. And we have like uh, multiple customizations available for the different kind of uh, fruit combinations we use. And that gives us the ideal... Smoothie as per our knowledge.
0: But I think it would also make it simpler for the person making it. Right? Exactly. To just like press two buttons and like exactly. put in a code like, okay, one, three, two, one. And it'll like... You
1: don't, you don't need a chef.
0: You don't need a chef for this. You just chef. need a...
1: The chef needs to program the blender.
0: Once. Once. Definitely. Centrally programmed and then... Yes, and then so as you're grown to 100, so each of your blenders obviously comes from HO pre-programmed. I'm assuming you've also invested very heavily in SOPs. Yes. Just run me through what that SOP process looked like.
1: See, uh, for us, SOPs are uh, at the outlet level, mm. at the kitchen level, mm. and at the customer service level. Mm. So, the most important thing is first at the kitchen level, because the product is something which you cannot go wrong with. So, it starts with how you source your raw materials mm. to having these regular checks on. So, we have a weekly check on every uh, outlet. Uh on every single aspect of what they're doing and it's a surprise check generally where uh, and we check from um, A to Z of the whole kitchen and see if it's as per the order of uh, what the kitchen is supposed mm. to be and then on the making process mm. the making process we do random checks on the product and also uh, checks on the uh, makeup basically we do a random test on asking them to do a couple of things mm. so this is the basic uh, kitchen SOPs we do and based, apart from that we do uh, stuff also we analyze some of the feedback we get and try to go back and check apart from that the store sops and these things are normal with every other one.
0: so i have not two more last questions for you one is how are you dealing with growth in terms of your customer acquisition funnel is it more social media driven or is it more footfall driven
1: see um it was initially very footfall-driven, mm. which was very good for us. Uh, in the pandemic, it became a little bit more social media-driven. And uh, in social media, there's not too much... See, the, the kind of competition is is huge. Or if I need to go on a Swiggy or a Zomato and compete with someone, I have 10,000 people to compete with. If I need to compete on the road, I have only 10 people. So uh, I've anyway invested in an outlet. I've put uh, lakhs and lakhs of money there. So that's my preference of competing with people, not, uh, the online where someone has not invested the 10 lakhs and he's investing the 10 lakhs on the ads over there. So, um, it's, it was, uh, um, football driven and it will be football driven. Going now, forward as well. Going forward. And we are going to invest in bigger outlets and we are going to invest in people coming to the outlet and having the experience and tasting the smoothie.
0: Nice. Uh, my last question is around the most discussed topic of 2022 and 23, and I'm assuming it will be 24 also, sustainability. What are you doing? What is Drunken Monkey doing to become a sustainable business? Sustainable in terms of environment and sustainable in terms of business, both.
1: Okay. Which one do you want first?
0: Environment and that <laughs> business.
1: So, uh, this Drunken Monkey is nature. So, there's nothing non-sustainable about it. Drunken monkey at all like uh, uh, we don't use plastic also. Oh Uh, yeah, we come in glass bottles. Nice. Yeah. So uh, there's nothing non-sustainable about drunken monkey because uh, from the start when that's something I totally believe in Mm. because uh, not because I was uh, told by someone or something it just naturally happened to me that. From the time I was a kid, I like certain stuff. I don't like certain stuff. Mm. I don't think it's a good quality in me. It just happened naturally. (laughs) So I don't praise anyone for it. Um, So it's completely about nature and it's completely Mm. for nature. And the monkeys are mascot and taking it forward. And about Drunken Monkey being sustainable. See, till now, um, we are a company which is bootstrapped. Mm. And uh, just uh, before the pandemic hit is when we were looking for the next stage of, okay, let's look at... uh, getting some uh, money into the company and uh, take it to the next stage. Like eventually we would want to uh, get out of franchising and uh, own more and get control of a lot of things Mm. and Mm. take it to the scale we want. So that has been slightly postponed and probably it'll happen in the next year. So uh, I don't have a problem with sustainability at all uh, because our plan is very clear and uh, irrespective of whatever happens, the problem is going to be like where do you get the solution from And the solutions are all there, out there?
0: So when you mentioned raising funds, now for many food companies, fundraising is almost something that they think, oh, nobody invests money in food. At least this, this used to be the sentiment maybe five years ago to 10 years ago. But now slowly that mindset is changing, right? what is your thoughts on raising funds in terms of, is it difficult? And at what point do you think a food brand should raise funds?
1: See, I can't talk for others. So I can definitely tell you my point of view. Uh, when I was in my second year, that's when we started growing in Bangalore and Chennai, I was approached by a few investors who wanted to invest. and uh, um, like, But then uh, I did not go through because there's still a lot of experimentation, which was still pending from my end. Mm. And, uh, I was not comfortable with other people's money being there uh, when I'm taking few risks mm. along with that. So that's so for me, it was more about me setting the base perfect where I can launch and I don't need to really think about the base anymore because uh, what I was doing was a new product for India and, mm. and I'm looking at a new market itself in India. And uh, there are a lot of ifs and buts and uh, there's nothing actually right and wrong. Mm something can work something cannot work it doesn't mean it's right or wrong because there's a lot of like factors which are affecting it so i just wanted that freedom initially to for my me and my team to uh, make the decisions we want and fail how many times we want without being uh, uh, under pressure of failing because uh, one of our biggest uh, motives in a company is if you're not failing enough you're not working enough so Next. i think uh, we are more uh, we we failed enough mm. and we've learned enough to know that we know where to go now. So even now, I'm saying in a year's time because I just need still a little bit more time. So I'm not a guy who's looking at growth. If not growth, I'm going to die. Mm. If not growth, I'm not a success. I'm. I would. I would do whatever is required for the business. For me, the only goal and the main goal is to make smoothies into a lifestyle in India. And I would do whatever it takes. If it requires funding now, yes, I'll do it today. If it doesn't require, it, and if it requires one year, I'll do that. It doesn't matter how much money I make or I don't make money at all. As long as I reach the goal, I'm happy.
0: What is the biggest life lesson you've learned after you've started Drunken Monkey?
1: Interesting question. Uh, I I thought I, I knew a little bit when I started Drunken Monkey. The biggest life lesson I learned after I started and Monkey was I knew nothing. That's the biggest life lesson.
0: <laughs> it is it's surprising how humble, you know, you become once you especially start, right, something. And uh, when, when you're working somewhere, you may feel like, oh, in this field, I know everything, which is good, which is your craft. But as a founder, you are not supposed to know only this, you're supposed to know all these things. Right from HR, legal, accounts, this, that, 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 everything, quality control, R&D, store yeah. management, franchising management, loans, everything, right? And there is st- like when and when all of this comes over, your you're like, oh, one sec, I don't know anything about this, I don't know anything about this, and how quickly <laughs> you have to learn to learn, True. right? And if you are able to do that fast enough, and you don't need to know hundred percent of everything, you need to know enough to take a good decision, True. and sometimes. That enough could just be 10%, 15%. You don't need to understand entire finance. You know, you don't need to go through a four-year MBA to learn how to manage your books, right? You don't need to go through a two-year MBA course to learn how to do sales and marketing. Or you don't need to be a food tech to learn how to do quality, right? But uh, when I founded my first company, and until today, I learn new things every single day. There's so many things I still don't know. And I am so happy that I don't know these things because a very exciting part of the role is that you get to learn new things. 100%. Whether you want it, or sometimes even if you don't want it, you're challenged. You're, you there, there is a thing that's come in front you of you, and you're to. like, you how, how do we figure this out, right? How do you, you know? So, and I'm uh, that's one of the perks, one of the few perks of being a founder is the ability to learn new things, or the, uh, you know, the fact that you have to learn it for survival, if nothing else for survival.
1: There's no other option.
0: There's literally no other option. So, uh, uh, Samrat, the... The concept you've come up with is amazing. I think uh, you know the ability that you've you know displayed in growing your brand from one store to hundred plus stores with your own and franchisee. What is your vision for five years from now? Like I, I know you mentioned Starbucks, right? Like I wouldn't be compared to Starbucks. But in terms of the smoothie culture, what are you what change are you expecting to bring in the country?
1: So um I want conversations on whatsapp to change okay let's go have a smoothie let's catch up for a smoothie nice I, so
0: I think it, catch, up uh, yeah. catch up for a coffee and drink smoothie nice
1: okay. I want uh, conversations at home to change where's my smoothie it's not about drunken monkey I want people in the gym to talk about it like let's go have a smoothie after this where's my smoothie drink and it's not going to be... I don't want it to be a beverage. I want it to just be a part of life. And uh, that's the dream. And I, I feel like I'll be bored if if I don't look for doing something which is going to change something. There's like... There's so many of us doing so many things. Unless I'm doing something which actually is going to be difficult and actually is going to be exciting. What's what's the fun? In
0: so the interesting part is uh, one of the changes that I've gotten in into my lifestyle... Over the last two, three years is funny enough smoothies. And it's something I have every morning Super. because it's just now instead of the morning coffee, it's now become the morning smoothies. And I look forward to it because I make it slightly different every day. Every day. Since I'm, I'm making myself. Yes, so yes. now I've invested in a good blender. I've invested in quality ingredients. Now I have like, okay, I can put this on. I can do this. I can put maple syrup. I can stop whatever. Right. And. It's such a fun part where I could just have a coffee, which is like, lovely. Yeah. Press a button, something comes out, and you drink, right? And it's the same stuff every day. But that smoothie, even though it takes three for five minutes to make, it's something fun. It's something, fun, right? Fun. And uh, it's something easy to eat. You can take it on the go, like in case I'm in a rush, I can put it in a takeaway cup and on a go. And that 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 concept of eating on the go, I think, is also yes. st- steadily coming up, coming. right? Uh, which is interesting. And with your dream. I think the way India is going to spend time outside, it doesn't always have to be meat for a coffee. Can you yes. meet for a smoothie? And I think it's also moving towards a, a healthier lifestyle. Yes, yes. Because also if i sustainable sustainable, sustainable, healthy and people who I know personally, who have smoothies instead of just a coffee or are healthier. Yes. Health is a big part of what they do. They don't have a smoothie because it's healthy, but smoothie is a part of their lifestyle yes. because they're focused on health, right? And it right?
1: makes them happier as well.
0: 100%. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm way happier when I have a smoothie than a coffee. Like my afternoon thing is a coffee because I, have, I mean, that time oh, so afternoon, I don't know, have no, time. You can it's, have it's, it. you press a button and, you know, it comes, like, yeah. it comes and I know a lot of people who love their coffee to death. I'm not one of them. For me, coffee is a functional beverage that I need yes. to make sure that I am fully attentive. So uh, the funny part is most of the times I make a smoothie. I add coffee to the smoothie because I don't want to have coffee and a smoothie. Yes, you can do that. I add so, coffee to a smoothie we, and I add a bunch of other things. We have
1: uh, some coffee-based smoothies.
0: Coffee-based smoothies as well. Because sometimes you do need that morning hit. Yes, yes, yes. Right? You know, whatever we need. it's Everyone to ourselves Whatever we need, we need to do that. It's just that
1: I'm giving you an option. Try this. You might need this.
0: Fantastic. But I love how you're trying to turn that into a lifestyle. Uh, you know where, pe- where Again, see, I think the whole idea is creating a space where people can meet, have a conversation and it happens to be a healthier yeah. choice, healthy uh, beverage. And uh, it's also fun and so many varieties. So one, one thing that did strike me, if I go to a place which has 200 options, have you ever thought of, you know, uh, paralysis, analysis kind of a thing that like, like do you see people waiting for like five, five minutes or 10 minutes, like, I, like what should I?
1: What do I order? Like there's so many things. So that's where uh, we just have a list of 10 on the first I call it people's choice.
0: Please choose from here. Okay.
1: And um, uh, otherwise, uh, the other option is, if if they're still confused, we get the person to ask them, what's your favorite uh, fruit? Mm. And then from that fruit, give the three options, choose one of the three. So, these are the two things. See, the thing is, uh, uh, the first time customer, Mm. I have a disadvantage. Mm. Because the first time people come, they don't want to be overwhelmed. But when he comes the third or fourth time, he'll be in love with this place. So my start will be slow, but I'll have them for good.
0: Fantastic. That's an amazing point to end our discussion at. Uh, Samrat, thank you so much for taking on the time. I know you've come all the way from Hyderabad. So thank you for that. Thanks a lot. And uh, it was so much fun to uh, talk to somebody whose mission is so much larger uh, than his business. And I I know you've come back you've come from a variety of you know different backgrounds. Uh, you've tried out so many different businesses. Always good to meet a serial entrepreneur, right? Uh, because the insights you would have are so much more than just the one you know one thing, right? Uh, while every business is different, I think every business gives you different challenges, different challenges. and the kinds of things you learn from those. True. Like I have learned way more from my failures than I've learned from my successes. And many a time, the successes have happened because of the failures, because we got some learning from the failure, we were able to apply it, hence it became a success. If this was the first business, we may not even have succeeded, mm-hmm. right? So I- I'm very sure that your past experience has, you know, helped you tremendously now. And I'm hoping, uh, you know, that your company, you know, continues to deliver on the dream. And I hope you make that dream a reality. Anyway, uh, I can help you do that. Please let me know, I'll be more than Thanks honored to you. help you with
1: that. Even the conversation you had with me helped me, right? In the green room. So uh, everything, I mean, as long as, uh, we are there. And when I said that answer that I know nothing, uh, what I meant was it's very important to be in that space, mind space of, I know nothing, 100%. it makes things so much easier and it clears things so much for you, for you to learn rather than saying that, you know, that's something which is beautiful. And I think you're the same and you've learned so much from everything you did and you're someone I would definitely look up to.
0: So, uh, Samrat, when we were talking earlier, you know, you mentioned that you're also a certified yoga teacher. So when did you get time to do all this in, you know, you have such a large experience and you're quite busy. When did this happen?
1: So uh, I was mentioning that uh, sports is the most important thing for me. And that's what taught me a lot. Then I met uh, this girl about five years ago. And uh, she's my wife now. So, uh, And I kind of figured out that what all I used to do through my uh, food, through my uh, sport and maintaining my kind of mental space. She used to do it much faster. <laughs> and I was like, this can't be true because I thought I was very, very effective in what I'm doing. This can't be true. Why, how can she do it faster and more easier without even taking that much of an effort? And then she was, uh, she's actually a yoga teacher. Nice. And uh, I refused to accept <laughs> yoga, I refused to accept meditation. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I can't sit in a place doing nothing. So for one and a half years, I was dating her, but I uh, refused to accept <laughs> that side of things. Well, one final day, like I was like, okay, I give in. And then that's when my journey started where I still play sport. I, then um, I started doing some yoga and mm. meditation. And mm. it kind of uh, like opened up a lot of other aspects of uh, uh, how a person can do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you can do things XYZ and ABC as well. And during the pandemic, I got a lot of time. And uh, I spent like six months in the Himalayas, and then uh, oh, no. I did like uh, another six-month course of just one of the most advanced yoga teacher training courses. And uh, like, it's just that I felt uh, during that time, apart from strengthening the company, I've strengthened myself as as in the core, I would say. Uh, like where uh, I'm, I'm, I can be super intense. Mm-hmm but relaxed at the same time kind of a... So it's just that I'm very blessed, very blessed to have that, uh, these kind of opportunities popping up from here and there without me putting that effort into it and luckily tripping into all these awesome
0: things. Absolutely. I love how, uh, you know, our better halves can help improve our lives. So for example, uh, my wife, uh, her command over English will even, you know, it's, I I call her like a Shashita Roor level. Like it it says, like five minutes with her, you'll have to open the dictionary. But because of that, the way I speak has changed. Wow. Uh, My vocabulary has been updated. Uh, Even, and when you change the words you use, it actually opens up different, you know, a way of thinking differently also. Right. So that, that has definitely helped. And, uh, so anytime I do a podcast, I do an interview, post that, I, I get a couple of feedbacks. Like, hey, you know, you could have done this differently, you could have done this differently. So a lot of people, you know, they uh, talk to me like, when whenever I interview people, it's never scripted, it's not yes. before. And yesterday also I had an interview with, uh, I, I, we had this Food Founders Club thing and I was right. interviewing a, a friend of mine and I had nothing on my hand and one of my teammates, he was like, have you prepared for this? And I was like, no. And he's like, how are you going to go on stage and, you know, talk... I'm like, you know what, it's just going to to flow. but It's going to flow now because I've been doing this now for a while, right? But when I started, it did not flow. It did not flow at all. I was uh, talking to another friend last night and, uh, you know, she mentioned that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm very inspired, you know, what what you're doing and this and that. But then she's like, you know, to be honest, I'm a little jealous. I was like, what happened? What do you mean? She's like, you know, I have been thinking of doing this even before you started. But you actually started Dying. doing it and look and look how you know, awesome you've become. Blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? It's it's nothing. I'm like, you're, I literally have written to her like you're overthinking. I said, just come sit with me for 15 minutes. I will put, I'll help you push you over the edge and I'll help you to start, you know, a, a, a you know, public speaking journey, whatever you want to do and about any topic. Her thing was, oh no, if I talk about this, who will listen? So, I'm like, you can talk about anything there is somebody yes. who will listen. It adds value to somebody. And for me, it's never been about yet yeah, who is going to listen. For me, it's actually been about me. Yeah, this is about me yes. because I get to learn so much from you. right? Uh, yes. I, I've gotten to meet somebody and I've never met, met you before. So that's awesome. And I got to learn so much from you. And if somebody else benefits from hearing this interaction or seeing this interaction, that's, it's that's tough. literally the cherry on the top, but that's not the reason I do it. I do it because I want to learn, right? If somebody else benefits, fantastic, right? So at the end of every podcast, I have this one standard line. I'll tell everyone that if you spend half an hour, 45 minutes, one hour, listening to this conversation or you know watching this conversation, listening to this conversation, you need to take back home one thing, one lesson, one learning, something and apply it in your life. That's because if you don't, you just wasted an hour of your life. Cause this is not entertaining. This is not entertaining. This yeah. is not, I mean, if somebody's very entertained by this, I'm very happy. <laughs> but uh, you and I are definitely not getting paid actor money. Inter- <laughs> you know, we are at Bollywood, Hollywood. So, we are, this is not designed yeah. to entertain. It's designed to inspire, educate, something. But I don't know if entertain is if, the Everyone You
1: need not have experiences of failures to learn from. You, you can learn from other people, right? You don't, you don't need to. Like all of us are connected. Let's use the connections.
0: 100%. Uh, Samra, thanks a lot for making it to uh, you know breaking the ceiling. This is a real honor. And uh, I wish you the very best. It's
1: my pleasure. And uh, you've been awesome to me.
0: Thank you so, so much. much.